Get ready to disrupt the status quo and embark on a journey of innovation and greater success. This is Revolutionary Practices for Financial Advisors, the ultimate podcast that will help you take your financial services practice to the next level. Your host, Eric Sussman, is excited to take you on an epic ride alongside esteemed guests. In this trailblazing show, we will unlock the secrets of success used by the best of the best. We'll share invaluable tips and techniques tailored specifically to elevate your practice. From mastering the art of client acquisition and engagement to leveraging the latest technology trends, we'll explore every aspect that can empower you to stand out from the crowd. No more conventional thinking. We'll introduce you to cutting-edge resources and proven strategies that will catapult your business to unprecedented heights. So, get ready to embrace the change and revolutionize your financial services practice. The time is now. The future is here. Welcome to Revolutionary Practices for Financial Advisors. Welcome to Revolutionary Practices for Financial Advisors. Today, we are so honored to have Sarah Williams, the Vice President of Marketing Communications at Creative One. And, you know, Sarah has an extensive uh, amount of experience in marketing, marketing and financial services expertise, and she significantly has impacted the industry by pioneering transformative marketing strategies where she is. How are you doing today, Sarah? Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me today. It's great to be here. So, Sarah... What I always like to do is start out and just ask you if you could just give me a little bit of background on on your journey, your experience in the financial services industry and and how you arrived at at where you are. Yeah, that's a really great question. I always wonder how everybody else gets their backgrounds. I think that's a great start. I fell into this, to be quite honest with you. I have a background in journalism and marketing from college, and I actually followed my dream uh, from college and actually am doing what my degree is, which is not very common when it comes to your position after college. But I've been in the marketing, sales, advertising, public relations industry for the last 26 years. I've been with Creative One for a little over 12 years, but I've enjoyed really working in the insurance and financial side because it's a, a passion of mine. And I I love seeing it through and helping other advisors with all things marketing. And it it really is an opportunity for me to really share what my passion is and help these advisors get through some challenges that they might have on the marketing side. Yeah, marketing is really one of the biggest challenges. It's funny that you say that I majored in kinesiology. (laughs) It's the very opposite of anything within financial services. So I totally relate to it being unique, actually studying something that you end up pursuing a career in. Give us a little overview in what Creative One specializes in and how it's standing out in the financial sector. Yeah, so that's a great question too. So Creative One is this hybrid approach when it comes to a business in general. So Creative One actually started in 1984. So we're going to celebrate our 40th anniversary next year, more from the the life insurance side and the annuity side. But we've since then transformed. We've added a a broker-dealer to the mix as well as a corporate RIA. So I would call it full service, one-stop shop. You can use all the, the fun marketing cliches when it comes to who we are. But we also focus very heavily on marketing, which I would say is not necessarily a profit center for us, but a a great addition to who we are as a company. Yeah. You don't have to necessarily make money because you're you're able to support the advisors and distribute the products that you guys distribute. But if you can just have a, a, like you said, not a profit center, but just a a loss leader, if you will, or a loss break even, uh, that absolutely helps. So let me ask you this. You talked a lot about client acquisition. We've spoken about that a lot. I know that 
you guys are, are really specialized in that. How has the approach to client acquisition evolved in the financial advisory sector over the years? And, and also, where do you see it going? Yeah, so I would say when I started here 12 years ago, so in, in 2011, honestly, the client acquisition was embarrassingly enough, but yet good from a certain stance was direct mail. Direct mail was the way that we were able to generate leads for our advisors. And it was really the only thing. Facebook and social media were just evolving. And what I call the C word compliance was such a hindrance, unfortunately, to some of the things we did. It's again, involved from the compliance side. But when we started looking at how can we get in front of new people? It was snail mail. It was that we were relying on the USPS, which again, it's a, a good and a bad because it's evolved from that stance. But from the digital side, uh, when we look at seminars on Facebook, if we're trying to target those boomers that are 55 to, to 65 right now, they're obviously getting a little bit older. That's where they, they hang out. And so when you talk about the evolution and what's going to be on the forefront, it's going to be continuously using digital marketing and digital advertising to be able to target those people that we know are, are good consumers and potential clients for advisors. So we have to keep our foot on the pedal to continuously look at new innovations. We're going to talk a little bit about AI, I know, going forward, but digital marketing is where it's at. Yeah, digital marketing, for sure. It's so, so much more efficient. The amount of people that you can be exposed to, definitely much more efficient. Speaking of that, share some insights into some of the innovative things, innovative marketing strategies happening over at Creative One and, and what we're doing to attract new clients. Yeah. So from the digital side, I talked about Facebook. There's also some other things from the marketing world that it's not necessarily brand new, but the hyper-targeting, the geo-targeting, the geo-fencing, some of the things that as digital marketers that have always been around for the last, I'd say five or six years, but really looking and taking that data and taking that as far as the digital side, what is there and, and really honing in on it and making sure it makes sense for our advisors. But our job is to look at what platforms are out there and where these consumers are. And I go back to Facebook all the time um, because we know that Facebook is the number two social media platform when it comes to reaching the boomers uh, just behind YouTube. Um, so YouTube is a great educational platform, in my opinion, but not necessarily great for client acquisition because they are wanting to learn. That's why they're watching the videos. But Facebook is where there's a call to action as well as lead capture. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the baby boomer audience, which is so much of what Creative One specializes in. They're on Facebook, they're on YouTube, that's where the baby boomers are. So let me ask you a, another question. How critical is the role of digital marketing and social media? How, how critical do you think it is? Share, share some successful strategies or maybe some campaigns. What exactly, if an advisor's out there listening, what exactly can you do to help them? Yeah. So uh, a critical high, very highly critical. I like to say it's a little morbid, but I don't mean it to be adapt or die. If you're not adapting to technology and you're not adapting to digital marketing, you're going to be left in the dust. It is a great opportunity for an advisor that maybe is not quite understanding how it all works. That's the good thing. You don't have to understand it all. You have to utilize us and our services and our team of experts from the digital side to be able to push through. But when we look at the actual strategy itself, it is targeting folks on Facebook 
that are in a certain geographical area that have a, a household income that matches what you're looking for, income producing assets. And then we get into the behavioral side. Are, are you a high credit card spender? Do you have IRAs that you're spending down? There's personas that we can target from that side and, and getting even... <laughs> Someone came to me the other day and said, hey, we want to just work with people that play pickleball. Pickleball has such been such an important um, platform and sport for, for seniors that we can get down and we can look at that um, data and actually provide audiences that look like what they want to do. But in the past, we used to throw spaghetti at a wall. So I, I think we've really come a long way from that stance. Absolutely. And, and that leads me into, there's a big buzzword around artificial intelligence. You know where I'm going with this. Yep. How do you see artificial intelligence and machine learning impacting this whole marketing thing? Yeah. So artificial intelligence has been part of marketing for a while. I think it has now just within the last couple of years come uh, front and center because obviously influencers from a technology side, from a public relations side, you look at chat GPT and you look at all the other platforms that are out there. And I will say that it's just helping refine our message. It is just helping refine our message, which allows us from marketers to be uh, great content creators, but also to be looking at artificial intelligence that maybe we're not thinking of how to position certain terminology in digital marketing or how we can present it really on any type of marketing. So it is going to allow us to scale a lot better, a lot easier, more efficiently. I don't think it's going to take away any type of jobs right away by any means. We need humans. It is a machine-driven device, and there are going to be what we call hallucinations. There are going to be things from the data that is limited. So a human always has to be able to look at that, but it allows us to be a little bit more scalable and to use that innovation to our, our best ability to move forward and continue on looking at other innovations that are out there. Yeah, it's very interesting how you want to fine-tune that marketing message. You, you have a conversation back and forth with ChatGPT, and you really, like you said, refine that message. It makes it so that it's much more appealing. They know. They go out there and they scour throughout the, the whole world, and they figure out what are the messages that are resonating the most. And I think you've, you've got that right. It goes out and scours the messages and it brings in um, what it feels is the, the best data. But again, I go back to a human. You have to look at what type of audience that you're looking at. Are you talking to millennials? Are you talking to Gen X, Gen Z? Some of the verbiage, you have to do good prompts and use good prompts when we're looking at artificial intelligence and how you want that data that is returned to you to be able to be used. So there are some things that definitely can limit us from an AI stance, but Gosh, it's getting even more exciting from the marketing side on imagery, the imagery situations out there. Now you can, Adobe just came out with a, a new platform and it's just amazing for us marketers. It makes our jobs a little bit easier, but at the same time, that human touch still has to be there. Yeah. So now as we go from snail mail and we're in digital and Facebook and YouTube and using machine learning, but what do you think are some revolutionary things that, that might be occurring over the next six months, a year and a half, two years. What are the things that are revolutionizing 
this whole marketing stretch strategy. Yeah, obviously artificial intelligence is going to be number one. It is number one in whatever we do in life. Let's look at just our daily, daily personas and our daily skills and schedules. It's played such a big part. And I'm excited to see what happens. I know there's been some caution when it comes to privacy. I always tell advisors, AI is definitely a, a brainstorming tool. I caution any type of privacy that could potentially harm clients, i.e. don't put any personal protected information, social securities, because as what you put on there is going to be kept somewhere forever. I don't think it's going to be picking stocks and putting portfolios together, maybe down the line potentially, but there still is an opportunity for us to utilize that to our greatest ability. But at the same time, looking back to say, whoa, wait a second, the human to human business is still so strong. We talk a lot about a client experience with our financial advisors that chat GPT might be able to write a great email but it's still like this where you and I are on video or we're on a podcast or using audio that the connection is there. So you can start with the text and the chat GPT, but you want it to elevate to hopefully an in-person meeting, which you're going to build more credibility from that stance. So you start here and you move on up from that stance. So I would say artificial intelligence, as well as just continuing to affirm that face-to-face contact is such a big part. The client experience, how are you treating others? They want to be treated as if they are one of the most important people in the world. So make them feel like it. Step up and do something different. Make them feel like that they're wanted. If they enjoy a glass of Cabernet, you're buying them a bottle of Cabernet, you're dropping it off without any notice. Thank you notes that are handwritten. I know it seems so, so obvious, but those little things stick in the minds of prospects and clients. So I think that the combination of the artificial intelligence along with the client experience, no one really cares about fiduciaries anymore. You have mm-hmm. to tell them what that means and it's how they feel when they walk away from that conversation. Yeah, it's definitely don't throw away the baby with the bathwater, right? We don't want to stop. And actually, it's totally differentiates you. You send a, a handwritten note it's differentiating you. You're lucky sometimes if you get a text message back from somebody, let alone a handwritten note. So you can differentiate yourself with these little things. And it might start out with artificial intelligence and digital marketing and all this fancy stuff. But at the end of the day, people still are going to do business with us because they know us, like us, and trust us. You bet. One of my favorite terms, people do business with people they like and they trust. Yeah. that, That trust is... So critical, so critical. And we talk to advisors a lot. One of the best ways that you can build trust is really you know, doing those extra special things. But I think just taking an interest in them, right? Taking an interest in what's important to these people and showing them how they can achieve what they want to achieve or avoid what they're concerned about. You nailed yeah. it. So share, again, we're talking about predictions of client acquisition. I, I want to go a little crazy and, and I know that we're all worried about today and tomorrow and six months from now and all that kind of stuff. But what about five, 10 years? What advice would you give to advisors that need to stay ahead of the curve a little bit and and are thinking a little bit more in the future? Yeah, that's, I think that's paramount. I think advisors that kind of have that mentality that if it ain't broke, don't fix it are, are not going to thrive. I think being a part of a collaboration, whether it's masterminds or whether it's study groups or whether it's being a mentor, having a mentor is going to be very important. 
because that's where ideas are shared. That's where things from the evolution side, and maybe there's a, a small idea, but turns into something great for your practice. I think that is going to be so key when it comes to the five or, or 10 years down the line. But also, I think when you look at the successful advisors, be a continuous student, mm-hmm. always be learning. I think it's super important. You might say, oh, it's another webinar that I'm going to attend or another podcast that I'm going to listen to, but try to take away little bits and pieces that might be part of a bigger strategy for yourself. So I think my advice in in the five or 10 years of how changes is just keep your eyes and ears open, Um, knowing what's being successful for other advisors and not being too hard on yourself. If you say they've got 15 staff members, I'm a one man band. They did not start with 15 staff members. They mm-hmm. started out as selling vacuums or copy machines, the hard work ethic that's always going to come into play. But I do think Eric technology is, can be a crux, but we always say hire to your weaknesses. If technology is not a strength of yours, then hire somebody who it is a strength of theirs and then utilize them to to the fullest and make sure that you have a strategic plan going forward. That way, you know, in these next five to 10 years, it's hard to tell, it's hard to tell what we're going to be doing exactly. But mm-hmm. we know that things are going to be evolutionizing on this, the technology side. So just build, be willing to embrace it and have a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. And I've become a big proponent of that lately because I myself find myself saying, man, I've got a fixed mindset. Have that growth mindset. Those are the successful millionaire, billionaire people that they Mm -hmm. look at that and use that growth mindset. Absolutely, absolutely. So now you also have, we have some of those advisors that are peers to these baby boomers and so forth, but you also have a lot of advisors that are younger in the business, maybe a few years in, three to five years, that kind of thing, maybe a little bit on the younger side. What would you say to some of those advisors? I go back to one of the conversations I just had, or one of the points I just had, having a mentor is huge. I will say that if I would have had a mentor 20 years ago, I would have propelled myself even higher. A mentor is there to potentially be an advocate for you, a sponsor for you, to be able for you to bounce ideas off of, because typically if it's another financial advisor that's your mentor, they've been there. They've done that. They can tell you what has worked what hasn't worked. They will encourage you if it's a good relationship from the mentor mentee side, but coming into this industry, maybe you're a career changer and you're coming off to being a teacher and you move over here. I just met someone yesterday. It was that look around you and use other people that have been successful and ask them, say, you've been really great at your job. I would love for you to mentor me. Maybe we can meet for coffee months a month. Maybe we can go to lunch, whatever it might be is just to soak it all in and ask questions that maybe will help you move forward by someone who's already been in your shoes. Yeah. And definitely finding a mentor is, is critical. And even if you, it's possible, I've seen a lot of successful relationships where there's an advisor that is, is nearing, when I say nearing, maybe five years away from retirement Mm -hmm. and and they want to have a succession plan. So maybe seek out somebody like that, let them be your mentor, work out an arrangement where you can help them and be the successor to their business. I think that would be something that goes along with what you're saying about mentorship. Absolutely. I think being a part of a succession plan is great. And another thing, Eric, I think that working with a group of individuals that are maybe like your circle of influence, that they can introduce you to people. Because a financial advisor, what you're worried about when you wake up in the morning is where do I get a new client? 
Where is that client acquisition? So getting out there when you're younger, I did chamber events. I did happy hours. Some of those things you maybe not always want to do, but I'm telling you, I'm still friends with some of those people that I've met in the past and they become a connector for you. So you might say, oh, they're not in our industry or they won't know anybody that I know. You'd be very surprised. Keep your eyes and ears open and learn from them because they could be other successful entrepreneurs and picking up some of their habits would be great too. Absolutely. And then just a, just a last question. What about software and any technology, things like that? What are you seeing that's out there that might be useful for advisors to consider? Yeah, Eric, more than, than anybody about the software side of it. I, I think you want to weigh all your options. You want to look at it and make sure that it makes sense for your practice. Again, hiring somebody to your weaknesses is extremely important, but don't just pick something that, oh, my my buddy does this. Look at it, get in there, get deep into it. Make sure that it has all the functionality that you have. Eric, cybersecurity has become such a, a big part of it. Make sure that there's some backup from the security side, vet it out. But I will tell you, Some of the advisors that I work with that haven't quite embraced technology with the fixed mindset, those are the ones that are struggling. Use technology to help you propel your business. I think that is such a crucial side. Back when my grandparents were working, it was yellow pads and and vanilla envelopes or manila envelopes. And now if you walk into the office and you think, oh my gosh, they're way behind because how do they know the strategies that I need for my portfolio? Do I have the best life insurance? Am I going to run out of money? And seeing a a yellow pad, it's not necessarily a bad thing because maybe they take it and they dictate it into technology and to software to utilize, but it, it is definitely important from that stance. Use that software to your advantage, capture all the information you need to use it as a nurturing system. And then Eric, finally compliance. The Department of Labor, our our litigious society, keep track of everything because it will only help you in the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. One last final question. I'm just wondering, do you you have a story about an advisor that you have helped that creative one? Any, I'm sure you have lots of stories. I'd love for you to share one story about an advisor that creative one has use a lot of your knowledge and the team's knowledge and show them how to get from where they are to where they wanted to be. Yeah. Okay. I have to put a marketing spin on it because that's what I do. That is, that's my heart. That is my passion. That's what I dream about, which I know I'm crazy, but sometimes advisors and I'll point out one and it's actually a family business. So it's dad and the two children and Mm -hmm. man, they're great at what they do. They have great connections to the community. They run a great practice. They're ethical. They're just good people. They're Mm -hmm. good people. And I thought they're doing pretty good. And I thought, you know what? I think they can do better. And the one thing that I think that they struggled with and they knew it that they needed help with was marketing. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was looked at, okay, let's start from the start. Let's look at your brand. Does it resonate with your consumers or your possible prospects and clients? We did an overview of that. And then we took it and we turned it into this whole brand standard. And we turned it into little things from the collateral side that just made them 
A plus. It was no longer just a C average. They stepped it up. And it, it was little things from walking into the office and feeling like it was all put together to videos. We went out and shot videos on location for them, told their story. People want to know your, why do you do this? Why are you in business? And we mentioned this earlier from the secession side, dad's getting ready to, to phase out. And it's a perfect conversation for the two children to say, when dad retires, guess what? I'm here that there's really no transition because I'm part of the process. But part of that was the marketing, the conversation, the video, and quite frankly, social media. That was the last thing on their minds, just like every advisor, quite frankly. But I think that has really taken them to the next level because now they can show their personalities and they can show it really matters to them. And I think that's a success story is just looking at a rounded marketing plan to move them to that next step and that next level on their practice. Took them from a C to an A+. plus. Sarah, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed spending some time with you a little bit. I know that Creative One and you are doing wonderful things to support advisors and help them really get to the next level. So I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation. And thank you so much for a great talk. You bet, Eric, and enjoyed it and look forward to the next one. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for being part of our community of forward-thinking financial advisors on Revolutionary Practices for Financial Advisors. We hope you've gained valuable insights from our exceptional guests and Eric Sussman's expertise. As you continue your journey to take your financial services practice to the next level, we encourage you to stay curious, adaptable, and always open to innovation. The revolution has just begun, and we're excited to have you on board. Stay tuned for more game-changing episodes. And until next time, keep pushing the boundaries and revolutionizing your practices.